everybody welcome back to the process i'm nick veronica no charlie today he's a little bit under the weather so you're stuck with me apologies in advance but let's have some fun with it uh bills Bengals returning to cincinnati where demar hamlin was injured last year gonna be an emotional game for some we probably don't expect demar to play but uh sean mcdermott multiple times this week has talked about about the return and what that's gonna be like for the team Bills are underdogs. We're going to talk about that and how rare that is. We got some trade deadline talk. We're going to look ahead at the rest of the season, and we're going to talk a little bit of World Series at the end. So, no Charlie, get better, buddy. Shout out to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. Thank you for all that you guys do, and let's just get into it. The Bills are two point underdogs going into Cincinnati, and. Listen, we know that not everyone is is interested in the gambling content, but I think it's just interesting that there's the people who are putting their money up. This is what they think is going to win. And, and the books set the lines to try to get even bets on both sides. And if it feels in your head like, hey, I haven't I haven't thought that the Bills should should be underdogs in a really long time. I can't even remember when. Uh, congratulations. You are correct. Uh, the bills have the longest active streak of being favored in consecutive games in the NFL right now. And that streak is about to end. Uh, the bills have been favored. Think about it. When was the last time you really think the bills would have been underdogs? I'll give you one second there. Cause honestly, I wasn't sure myself. I had to look it up. It was the 2021 divisional round playoff game at Kansas City, a.k.a. the 13 seconds game. The Bills have been favored in every single game they have played since 13 seconds. 26 games in a row. And actually, technically, if you want to count the Bengals game that was canceled when DeMar, the incident happened, the Bills were favored in that game, too. So that would have been 27 games in a row. That's crazy. That's crazy. That is by far the longest streak in team history. The Super Bowl era Bills were never favored more than 16 games in a row. Uh, it, it's an oppressive streak in, in the history of the NFL. I looked this up. The longest streaks ever. You know, It depends if you want to include playoffs or not. Including playoffs. 57 games in a row by the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, between 1999 and 2002. Uh, if you include playoffs, the Bills' streak of 26 ranks 19th all-time. And if you go regular season only, uh, the Bills actually also get to, to get the 26 there. That streak ranks 21st all-time, regular season only. Uh, and 64 is the record for consecutive games as favorites by Tom Brady's Patriots from 2016 to 2020. So takeaway here, about 20, this stretch of Bills football has been, at least by this metric, about the the 20th most dominant stretch of football ever in league history, ever. Um, That's crazy to think about putting it, these Bills in that perspective. Favored. 26 games in a row. It's either the 19th or the 21st longest streak in league history, depending on whether or not you include playoffs. Uh, and it's going to end this week. The Bills, uh, you know, barring some crazy uh, injury news for the Bengals beforehand, Bills will be underdogs this week. 
Uh, and once that streak ends, the Eagles are going to take the, the crown. They have, they're at 13 right now. And they're going to get up to 14 this week. So uh, how about that? The Bills have, I mean, if you're thinking in your head, they've been not super great the last few weeks. Uh, they were favored in all four of their last four games, and they did not cover the spread once. So the Bills are 5-3 and three heading into this game. Let's give a quick peek at the schedule as the Bills get to uh, what, what they call the mini-buy after the Thursday night game. It's the mini-buy week. Bills are 5-3 and three with four games left before the true bye week. Okay, It's at Cincinnati, home against Denver on Monday night, home against the Jets at Philadelphia, at Bengals, home Denver, home Jets at Philly. Can the Bills take three of four? If the Bills win three out of four in this stretch, that, that would put them at eight and four heading into the bye week. That sets them up nice. If they got a murderer's row coming after that, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins. That's a tough end of the schedule. The only team on there that's maybe easy is the Patriots who've already beaten the Bills. Can they get three out of four? They should be heavily favored against the Broncos and against the Jets. That basically means they need one of two against Cincinnati or against the Eagles. Both row games, both teams that had playoff runs last year, going to be huge, huge games. going to be very interesting. Good football, good opponents. Can they do it? I mean, it, let, let's, let, let's say that they don't. Let's just say they lose the Cincy, they lose the Eagles, beat the Broncos and the Jets. That puts them 7-5 and five going into the bye with those five games left at the end. You probably need to get to 10 wins the way that it's looking right now. Can they take three? Do you see three wins against Kansas City, Dallas, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins? It could certainly happen. I mean, I the Bills the Bills are a very good team. They're they're looking at their schedule saying, oh man, we got Buffalo this week. But it's tough. It's really tough if the Bills go two and two ahead of the bye week. I think they really need to get at least three out of four here. They got to beat Denver. They got to beat the Jets. And it basically means they got to take at least one of at Cincinnati or at Philly. Now, before we get into this game, let's talk quickly about the trade deadline. Charlie and I, we talked about trade targets. We were throwing out some, some sexy picks. We were throwing out offense, offense, offense. And then the trade deadline actually rolled around. And I texted Charlie Tuesday morning. I said, Charlie, they're just going to make a small move on defense, right? Like, that that's what I'm feeling. Uh, and that's thats what it turned out to be. They got Razul Douglas, cornerback from the Packers, and they signed a free agent defensive tackle, Linval Joseph. Razul Douglas, I thought that was a good trade for them. It was, it's a pick swap, so they, they don't even lose a pick. They just move back two rounds from a, a day two to a day three pick for a starting caliber cornerback who I think will slide right into the starting lineup. Maybe, maybe right in will he play this week. Uh, I'm thinking he might be limited a little bit this week just as he learns the defense, but he, he's a corner. They could just say, okay, just man up this week and you'll learn the defense as you go. Just get out there. Uh, so that's interesting to me. And then they signed Linval Joseph. And if all, all you need to know about Linval, he is a big guy. 
huge man. You see pictures of this guy, you say, oh, okay. There's not too many people on planet Earth who are 6'4", 330, and can move like Linval Joseph, okay? He's a run stuffer. He's a veteran. He's a former Super Bowl champ with the Giants. Good addition. Shore up the middle of the defense. Uh, it didn't cost them anything, which which that's what we like the most. Uh, Razul Douglas, listen, this gives the Bills, you know, with, with the, the Tredavious White injury, some mild form of depth. But you could we could consider depth uh, in the defensive backfield. So let's go through it real quick. At cornerback, we got Christian Benford, who I think is still gonna, you know, will you know, regardless of what happens this week, I believe Benford is gonna still start. And then you got Douglas on the other side. You also have Dane Jackson out there, who has started for this team. And then in the corner, you got Taron Johnson and Siron Neal behind him. Then at safety, we got Poyer Hyde, Taylor Rapp. All three have, see, have seen the field. And then they got Cam Lewis back there, and they have Demar Hamlin, who is again likely to be inactive this week in his return to Cincinnati. That's not exactly how the Bills drew it up going into this year, but they have some guys. They have players that they have at least felt good enough to put in the starting lineup or were forced to put in the starting lineup on the bench now and that means they get they get some leeway they can take a breath they also have uh, by the way those guys were on the active roster there's two more names we haven't mentioned josh norman who is on the practice squad and by the way is already doing great things in the community that guy is a champion for the community you gotta respect the heck out of josh norman he was great when he was here last time really believes in philanthropy he's already helping out he they signed him off the street to the practice squad like three weeks ago. And he's already like, get me out there. What can I do? How can I give back? You love to see that. Norman didn't play on defense last week. He played five special team snaps. I don't know how much he's even going to play really on defense, but he's there. If they need him, he's an option. The other guy we haven't mentioned yet is Kyrie Elo, who was uh, dangerously getting dangerously close to bus territory. And Charlie and I speculated, could he have any trade value? Um, and then, you know, it really felt like the, if you've seen the, the fairly odd parents meme, there's a Timmy Turner's dad showing where he would put a trophy if he had one. And he said, this is where we put Kyrie Elam val- trade value. If he had any, because he doesn't have any, because he can't even be active. Then it came out this week, uh, two things came out with him. Reportedly, there was some trade interest in him, which is hard to believe in some ways that the Bills wouldn't take it. But uh, the bigger news regarding Kyrie Elam is that he's dealing with an ankle injury. And we don't really know when that started, when that popped up, how it happened, how severe it is. Um, But seemingly the Bills still think he has a higher ceiling yet to go. They think he can still be something for them. And they actually put him on injured reserve. They put him on injured reserve, so he's going to miss at least a month here. And will he get back in the starting lineup? It's not looking good for this season. Um, he's I still think he could be an offseason trade target, perhaps. They you just can't get on the field in this scheme. It doesn't mean he's you know, maybe he just needs to change the scenery. I don't know. I still think he could be a trade ship down the future, but the Bills, for if, if, for the very least, they're not ready to give up on him yet. 
So that's it. Um, could they have added more offense? Yeah, uh, I'm a little surprised that they – well, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, it would have been nice if they had bolstered the offense a little bit, uh, but they're seeming to say we like what we got. And I think you could even say the last game that the Bills played against the Bucks probably did them some favors, thinking, okay, this is the roster. We like these guys. We can work with this. The Bills seemed to make a an emphasis, a huge emphasis, on getting the ball early to people not named Stefan Diggs. And guess what? They all had career days. Dawson Knox out injured. Effort to get the ball to people not named Stefan Diggs. Khalil Shakir, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, all career highs. Shakir, six catches, 92 yards, game high, 92 yards. That was a career high. Gabe Davis, career high, nine catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. And Dalton Kincaid, five catches, 65 yards, first career touchdown. You got to, th- I mean, I think in some way that was a little bit of a statement. From the Bills offense, from Josh Allen, from Ken Dorsey to say, we like the guys in this room. We don't need you to go add somebody. These guys can get it done. And by the way, Steph Diggs still ended up with 9 for 70. It was impressive. It was not against a good opponent. I would like to see that in a game, you know, in a tough game. Maybe like, I don't know, this week when you're an underdog for the first time in forever. Uh, Would love to see it. Would love to see it. Uh, Khalil Shakir, I like. I want to see more of him out of the slot. I like. Uh, I don't like that Dawson Knox is injured, but I do like that uh, it's basically making the Bills play eleven personnel, three receivers in the field, and even you know if you want to say if the joke was ten and a half personnel with Kincaid as a half, uh, now it's ten and a half personnel with half a tight end, three receivers, and James Cook out there. The Bills' offense looked good in that personnel. Um, you know, it's almost it's like a silver lining, I guess, of the of the Knox surgery. Going through receivers, get them on the field, get them the ball. I like it. As for the Bengals, something's weird with the Bengals locker room and their motivational tactics. They were very upset last year, if you recall, that uh when there was talk of having the possible AFC championship at a neutral site. Bengals players were seemingly very mad that the Bills were already selling tickets for the game, uh, seemingly with no knowledge that uh, the Bengals were also selling tickets for the game because that's how it works because this is the NFL and it's all about money and they're selling these tickets ahead of time. Like that's how it works. Every like, of course, the tickets were going to go on sale, you know, ahead of time. And if there's no game, you just you just you know the money gets goes back to you. Like. Nobody's out money. You're just, they want to make sure that they can sell out the game. So, of course, they're going to open it up as soon as they can. Uh, and that was super weird that the Bengals like made themselves victims of that. And after the game, they were saying, you know, I hope you get those refunds. And it's like, you know, that you, your team also sold it, right? Like, weird. So, that that's the background. And this week, we have this weird, weird video out of the Bengals locker room. Let's take a listen. When it's snowing, a couple of their players uh, were saying if it wasn't snowing, that they wouldn't be there. So we're here now. So uh, we're going we to see what the outcome is. Remember that? Um, something crazy to say. But... All right. Uh, listen, nobody, apparently, nobody 
makes up a fake narrative like those guys. Nobody said that. The no, there, there is no, no one in the. They lost twenty-seven to ten. They played horrible. They had no energy. They looked ready to go to a beach and get their offseason started after all the stuff they went through with Demar. No one was out there saying the Bills would have won if in different type of weather, or that's the reason that they. These are just ridiculous things that people are putting out there just to knock down to have fake bulletin board material. And I know it's like a weird, like niche thing that's happening. This this I, I don't know how to describe it. It's it happened twice now with the Bengals. It's weird. Uh, and this is just not, it's not a real thing. Like no one, I don't know. Somebody, I saw put up a tweet today. Like which team do you hate playing or do you hate more now? Bengals with these weird narratives or chiefs just being generally chiefsy. Uh, and I, I would have thought more people were going to vote for the Chiefs, and maybe this was this was just one thing that got around Bills Mafia Twitter today. The votes were overwhelming for the hating the Bengals more. Uh, I don't really, I don't know. Maybe people are mad about this, I think. But to me, to me, it's just dumb. This this is um, people will use anything they can for motivation and just pretend that they are offended and they have something to prove. I, I really don't know what else to say about it, but it's weird. I don't think it's true. I don't think people are still mad about this. And I just wanted to say that it's weird. Anyway, the last thing we got to talk about here is Josh Allen's shoulder. I have some concerns about the shoulder. He looked like he hit the, he went down and he kind of, uh, I think he was, it was a, technically a sack. He was he was avoiding pressure and trying to scramble, and he was taken down. And then he seemed to get up, and he, you know, he's just trying to, you know, get that shoulder to click. He's trying to, you know, not not put not even put it back in place, but it's something's a little weird, jammed up. The shoulder's a complicated joint, and it's just something's off with it. And he, you know, he goes into the blue tent. He comes out, throws an interception. It was it was worrisome because that's the the most important injury to the most important player to the most important part of his body like somebody somebody was a maybe it was charlie somebody phrased it the most important joint on the team i had to laugh at that one but it's true josh like this this is josh allen's shoulder is like the worst thing that could happen uh and he, he stayed in the game he still completed passes uh, but things we know when Josh Allen deals with injury is that his touch is not always there. The velocity, uh, he's got this weird ability where the velocity is still there as long as he hasn't like taken a hit recently. There was a couple of throws in the second half last week. I did just wonder if he had maybe taken a little bit off it. Uh, but it's the touch and the timing and and you know putting the ball on somebody versus you know slightly behind them and they have to make a tough catch and they can't make it. Uh, those are the type of things that have affected Allen. And we've also seen him be much less effective. I, should, I shouldn't say less effective, but just less willing to be a runner this year. Um, is a shoulder injury going to help that? Of course not. He's going to be more hesitant to run, most likely. And Sean McDermott has said over and over and over and over and over and over that Josh knows he needs to slide if he's going to run. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Josh Allen didn't practice on Wednesday just out of precaution to basically have less stress through the shoulder in advance of this game. He was a full participant Thursday, fully expects to play. He's just 
bottom line, not 100%. And that is worrisome to me. We're going to see. The Bills are underdogs here. Um, I, will, I do have to say, the Bills, you know, they had Thursday game last week. That meant we all had Sunday, Monday to just watch other teams. And sometimes it is nice to just take a deep breath and watch some of the other games and watch a joke of a football game like Jets against Giants. And you see these other teams and the Eagles lost last week and the Chiefs lost last week. And you are just reminded this is such a week-to-week league. There is so much parity. We like to think in our heads that all these juggernauts, these, these good teams are juggernauts, and they win every week, and they blow people out every week. And you just got to take a breath sometimes. And remember, that's not really how it goes. Sometimes you squeak them out. Sometimes they're ugly. Sometimes, you know, you don't play your best against the worst team. And when you get to January, nobody cares. You just say, oh, yeah, they're 11 and 5 or whatever they end up. They're 12 and 5 now. Just win. Just put them in the bank. Just get the win. So, score prediction Bills at Cincinnati, who is suddenly hot after a horrible start to the season. Josh Allen with the less than 100% shoulder, with a new, possibly a new cornerback just acquired at the deadline, possibly a new defensive tackle. What do we think here? I've said over and over and over on this podcast that I will continue to pick the Bills to win as long as they have healthy Josh Allen. I'm not feeling great about this, but we're still picking the Bills 24-23. Last thing for me before we end up here, World Series talk, we got to give a shout-out to Amherst graduate Jonah Heim, starting catcher for the Texas Rangers, World Series champion. That is awesome to have a local guy on the biggest stage doing his thing he hit a home run in game four he had an rbi in the decisive game five buffalo new york it's tough to develop baseball players here the weather is just not conducive to it if you want to be good you basically need to to get down south where you can play year-round outdoors and see the best talent for jonah heim to do this this is awesome Jonah Heim is the first Western New Yorker to play in the World Series in a decade. Uh, there was a re- relief pitcher, Kevin Sykrist, with the Cardinals in 2013. Uh, before that, Dave Hollins was a third baseman for the Phillies. Um, Mark Guthrie was a relief pitcher for the Twins in 91, who was the last uh, Buffalo player to win the World Series. Uh, and Jonah even hit a home run. Um I think I think uh, we saw a story on WIVB this week that there was a, a local from South Wales who hit a home run in the World Series more than 100 years ago. So Jonah wasn't the first. Uh, but this is uh, just very excited about the story. And people ask me for my Jonah Heim story, so I'll share it here. Uh, before, Jonah is known as an Amherst graduate, and that is true. But before he was an Amherst Tiger, he had a brief stint uh, at Kenmore East. Uh, which is where I went. And so my senior year of baseball, um, the hockey team was still in state championships when baseball tries were gone. So the hockey guys weren't allowed to play baseball yet. You can't start your spring sport until your winter sports over. So I'm, I don't have, I can't play during tryouts. And, and so I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm in, you know, popping in the gym, watching the JV and I'm 
you know, I knew the coach still, and I'm, I, I volunteered to catch a few balls and, and, you know, let him do some extra hitting. Um, and, you know, you see these kids in the hallway. It's, it's not a big school. And then there's there's one kid, and I'm, I don't know that guy. Who is that kid? Also, he's way better than everyone else on this on this in this gym. How do I not know the kid who's way better than everyone else? And they're they're all taking grounders at shortstop. And I said after a minute, I go, wait a minute, cook. He's wearing a catcher's mitt, and he's the best shortstop out there. Who is this kid? Turns out it was a middle schooler, Jonah Heim, trying out for the JV. In eighth grade. Uh, and Jonah, of course, made the team. He was the best player on the team. And I even remember, you know, we'd be at away games and we'd, you know, walk over to the JV if, if their game was still going on when, when we were done. And I just could not believe I was a senior in high school who was an all-star hockey player who, you know, thinks he's big and strong. And there's an eighth grader who's tall and skinny who's hitting the ball way farther than I could ever hit the ball. I remember him. He de- we were at Louport. He deposited a home run over the fence, and there was this mound of dirt back there. And I'm thinking, I couldn't hit the ball that far if I tried. This kid is in eighth grade. Unbelievable. Uh, so his success, not a surprise. Came up and he was drafted the majors. He was, had a stint with Oakland, got traded over to Texas, became a starter, all-star game player this year, World Series champion, Jonah Heim. Got to give a shout-out. That's going to do it for us. Charlie, get back here soon. Miss you, buddy. Shout-out to Ethos Performance Rehab. Listen, men's hockey season is underway, okay? If you are getting sore, if you're feeling like you don't have the stamina you need, if you need to – do some uh, some belt squats, right? You don't want to put the bar on your back. You know, maybe that's a little too much for you right now. Get on the belt squat. Get over to Ethos. Get over to Mustache Barbell Fitness. Tell, find Dr. Matt. Find Dr. Zach. Tell them the process sent you. Get yourself right. On behalf of Charlie, I'm Nick. Remember, always trust the process. <laughs>